Here it is. Again. One, two, three, four! I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Hey everybody, I'm Rob. I'm Joseph. And I'm Tony. Welcome to the season four premiere episode of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts, the history of punk, post-punk, and new wave 1976 to 1986. Say it with me, Rob. Hooray, Hooray for, for 1980. 1980. Yeah. So okay. happy to be here. Can you believe this is our fourth season? First of all, I want to welcome everyone to the long postponed season four of the podcast. I don't know if it's possible to beat 1979 when it comes to sheer brilliance of output, yeah. but 1980 is going to give it a really pretty good run for its money, I think. I, I think 1980 is shaking it up already. You know, it's yeah. uh, there's some great stuff coming up. Uh, 1980 disproved all the pundits claiming that punk was just a passing fad. Uh, we're going to see new bands like X, DOA, The Birthday Party, and The Dead Kennedys um, forge exciting new frontiers for the genre. So punk is not dead, my friend. No, but disco might be. <laughs> but really, the big story of 1980 is the increasing momentum of the New Wave movement. The first year of the decade sees 10 New Wave songs cracking the U.S. top 40. Yeah. Unfortunately, only one of those songs hits the number one slot here in the U.S., which means by the end of 1980, a grand total of four new wave songs have topped the U.S. charts. 50% of those by a, a little band you may have heard of called Blondie. Oh, yes. So the first song of the 1980 season really can only be one song. Part of why I'm looking forward to this this year, this season, is some great Blondie. Um, <laughs> but but there's so many good albums, so many great bands, so many bands that I love or that are just coming out and just making a start. So this is going to be a great year. It's going to be a mm -hmm. great. So um, we have a guest, obviously. Uh, we do not have a guest. Aha! Uh -huh. You're right about that. We have a third. Uh, co-host, new yes. co-host of sorts. Yeah. So, and, and and I'm glad that you corrected me because he's <laughs> been on the show as a guest, and we had mm -hmm. such a great time. Um, so everybody, Tony is back, and uh, I'm happy to have you, Tony. How's it going? Good. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Joseph, for inviting me 
uh, to the show. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, Rob and I grew up together in the 80s, so I feel like this is a reunion of some sort to get to talk about 1980 and some of our favorite music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Tony, you originally appeared on the Police uh, deep dive episode that we did last season. Uh, our favorite part of that episode was the little trivia section that, ironically, we had to edit out um, for for that episode. We, of course, included it later on in a, in a bonus episode. And that got us thinking, well, why don't, why don't, from time to time, we have Tony come on and just do a little quiz show for us. Joseph and I, of course, met each other years ago, but in a totally different part of the state. So Tony and I grew up together in the Central Valley. Joseph and I became friends and housemates in Northern California. Um, You two are the two guys I think about when I think of my friends who are really into music. Ever since Joseph came to me, and said, let's do this podcast. Tony has always been in my mind because he is one of the people that that has has always like imparted in me this this kind of love and interest in music. And I've always had these memories of Tony being connected deeply to to some great music. So it's mm-hmm. I think it just makes a whole lot of sense that he joins us. Yeah. As we mentioned last episode. Every three or four months this season, we will take a month off from our regular programming, and um, but we will release at least one bonus episode, and uh, several of those will be a quiz episode. So Tony will come on, he will be the quiz master, he will uh, quiz us about the bands and the content that we've covered in the previous couple of months so really looking forward um to that and we'll just see how that goes it seems kind of like an obvious fit no it's uh right up my alley to be honest with you um you know rob will know my story in the 80s in high school and i actually had one class where i I delivered jeopardy type of questions but they were all about music in the 80s so this is something, probably a dream job of mine to be able to do. So thanks for the mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah. And wow. Tony is also uh, behind the scenes, has already begun to play an important role as far as um, being our fact checker and helping helping us be as complete as and precise as possible as far as the upcoming content. Uh, and Tony has been doing that really since the beginning of the podcast, just as a listener, um, helping us be the best little podcast we can be. Yeah, but now, absolutely. now he's, now we can't ignore him. Officially, we can't <laughs> ignore him. I was hoping, Tony, that you would have a sample trivia question for us today, but it doesn't sound like you do. I didn't. I'm sorry. I, I, um, I hadn't realized that you wanted a question for tonight. I I could have put something together. I had some ideas, but I did not put something together. Okay. Well, that's okay. I have come prepared with a backup question. So just a general question question about 1980 kind of of set set the mood for uh, kind of turning the tables on you, Tony. uh, Sure. for, For you and Rob. So... 
As I mentioned uh, earlier, there was only one new wave song to top the U.S. charts, and that was Call Me by Blondie. Uh, however, there were a total of 10 new wave songs. The title of new wave, kind of squishy, but, you know, what I interpreted as new wave to hit the top 40 here in the United States. So I'm going to, I'm going to read. So taking call me off the table, which was mm -hmm. the number, which hit number one, I'm going to read the other nine and I'm going to read them to you in chronological order as far as when they peaked uh, okay. throughout the year. And you have to identify the song that peaked the highest Ooh. and the song that peaked the lowest. So okay. the lowest that hit the top 40, but didn't get much further past that. A little hint is, is it hit uh, number 39. So here are the other nine top 40 new wave hits uh, in the U.S. for uh, 1980. Brass in Pocket by The Pretenders, Train in Vain by The Clash, so first time hitting the uh, top 40 for both of those bands. Blondie had, had another one uh, with Atomic. Cars by um, Gary Newman. Touch and Go by The Cars. Turning Japanese by The Vapors, Whip It by Devo, De Do 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 De Da 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 by The Police, and Blondie actually had a third 1980 top 40 hit with Tide Is High. So the question is, which one of those peaked the highest and which one of those peaked the lowest? <laughs> let's let's start with the one that peaked the highest. Do you want to guess first, Rob? Yeah, I'm just going to take a, a guess at it. And, oh gosh, I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, Tide is High. I, I would agree with Rob. Okay. That was, that's only number one on the list that I heard. Um, neither of you um, are correct. Oh. This is... Uh, the highest peaking non number one new wave song hit number nine. I went to number one in 1981. Yeah, no, I said peaked in 1980. Ah, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear that it was Cars by Gary Newman. Absolutely, I absolutely love that song. And um, honestly, 
I, I always feel like I appreciate Gary Newman more than anybody else. So I didn't even think that was the other song. Like, you know, mm. when I said it's between one mm. or the other, that wasn't the other one. But, well, you both of you get sort of a half a point because Tide is High um, in 1980 only reached number 11. But uh-huh. in 1981, it went it mm-hmm. went higher. To- yeah. Tony, you're, you're saying it, it hit number one in 1981? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Blondie had four number ones, as you stated. So that was ah. one of those, along with Rapture and uh, in 79, Heart, is Glass, Heart of Glass. Excuse me. OK, so what is your guess for the lowest um, top 40 new wave hit of 1980? Uh, 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 you know, I am going to I'm going to take a stab in the dark here. And again, it's between one or the other. And I know this is the most unpopular decision, but I'm going to say Train in Vain by The Clash. Okay. Yeah, I'm down to three. So, Touch and Go, Atomic, or uh, Turning Japanese. I think those all were in the low 30s. I want to say Touch and Go missed the top 40, but I'm... I could be mixing that up with another car song. So Atomic, I think, is 39. It was really ro- low ranking, if I remember right. Hmm. We'll go Atomic. Okay. So I am going to uh, uh, read the list um, in order of peak performance. Cars by Gary Newman hit uh, peaked at number nine. Titus High peaked at number 11. The do 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 de da 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 mm-hmm. peaked at fourteen, which was a surprise to me. Yeah. Brass in pocket uh, was uh, number fifteen. Whip it only hit number seventeen, which was a surprise to me. Train in vain hit number twenty five. Turning Japanese peaked at number thirty six. Touch and go peaked at number thirty seven. Another big surprise. And atomic barely hit the top 40 with number 39 atomic was my other my other guess but uh, i mean yeah that's so so blondie had both ends i mean sorry Now, to be clear, um, these rankings I got from top40weekly.com. Um, so I know different charts are different. So, you know, there's that. 
but I mean, how important was the tar- top 40 list anyway? I mean, <laughs> oh, are you, are we, I'm, I'm joking. I am. If you joking. were a teenager or, yeah, no, or no, no. a preteen back then, it was. Trust it, me. I was I was friends with Tony. <laughs> I knew the top 40 at all times. Uh, <laughs> I listened to it every every week. That's there you go. I, I did a little uh, peek ahead. And so for 1980, for the entire year, there were only 10 new wave songs that um, hit the top 40. You get to 1983, mm-hmm. and, and on any given week, there's at least 10 new wave songs in the top 40. Yeah. So a lot. I mean, I, I think... 1980 really is a watershed as far as like just ramping the momentum up. So it's, it's going to be very exciting. Um, you know, when I said that there was only one number one new wave song, there's actually one and a half because <laughs> Billy Joel's it's still rock and roll oh to me hit number one. Um, some people consider it a, New Wave song. I think it was the first song to make the top of the charts that references New Wave music, but I I think it's really a stretch to consider <laughs> it a New Wave song. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But to to uh, celebrate that, I think just for Rob, we're going to uh, now listen to a medley of of Billy Joel songs. You're all heart. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, Although you know, it's funny. We we got a an email from a listener saying, "Oh, if you ever do feature Billy Joel, you have to feature the song Borderline, which is off of Glass House, the the same album this is. We're definitely going to talk about Billy Joel when we um, do our New Wave Tourists bonus episode at oh, some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, and sure. I I don't remember the song specifically remember the song borderline as being a a new wave song but we will certainly consider that uh when we start talking about billy joel as a new wave tourist okay um what do we have planned for this episode we are going to just get ramped up about 1980 and the upcoming season we are going to talk um we are going to feature some like obscure artists that make debuts in 1980 and see if eagle-eyed, eagle-eared listeners can identify those bands. We are going to uh, talk about our predictions as well as various other things. Before we get too far into it, I just want to remind everybody that we are talking about music. Music is art, and there is nothing more subjective than art. This is an opinion show, but even so, we do try to be mindful not to get too opinionated because ultimately we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was created during a pretty unique period of time. Anything you want to add, Rob, before we go into obscure bands of 1980? No, 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 no. I mean, I got, I got 10 reasons why we should keep the ball rolling. So, <laughs> okay. Rob, you do not have a pick this year for a favorite obscure band yeah. releasing a debut. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, going through there, first of all, I think part of it was just a little, little overwhelming to me. Mm. Um, I have been, uh, you know, my, my private life outside of deep dives and deep cuts is crazy and busy and ridiculous, but, um, there's just so much in there. Like there's so many albums I, that, that I loved. And I think that the ones that I, I, I love those so much that when I listen to the, the obscure bands, I just, I, I couldn't really pick anything, you know? Um, and that sounds silly. We didn't plan it this way, but I couldn't whittle it down to just one. So mm-hmm. I have two picks. Okay. Um, so we are, uh, and Tony has a pick. So why don't we just jump into it? So we, we are going to play a cut from a debut album. We are not going to say the name of the song. We are not going to say the name of the album or the name of the band. And let's just, we're just testing our listeners to see how deep their knowledge is. My two picks this, this year are very, (laughs) very obscure. True. So, oh, and both of them are, I discovered because they were on soundtracks to movies. So that's a little bit of a hint. So let's go ahead and listen to my first pick. We're crawling to a psychiatrist. We'll see a psychiatrist. You're, you're totally right about obscurity, um, but I, I don't know. There's something, something about it that I'm totally into. And you know, you mentioned being in movies, uh, being on a movie soundtrack. I was just thinking that in the '80s, I used to watch movies and listen to the new wave and punk songs that were on the soundtracks and playing in the background, thinking that where I lived, music wasn't like that. I mean, I listened to that music, but there was no music playing in Oakdale, California that sounded like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I know that you're familiar at least with at least one song by Mm -hmm. this artist, because I know that you have seen the movie that is included on. So, Tony, I still getting familiar with your taste in music, but this this doesn't seem like it's it's like ideally suited for your um your musical tastes um i i think that's correct uh even though i you know listening to the album there were several tracks i really enjoyed the one you picked is uh, probably a little bit more on the extreme side for me um i was uh doing some research on the band and without giving away who it is you know one of the 
the apt descriptions was it sounded like a demented version of the Little Shop of Horrors mm. and uh, kind of with the 50s nod. And I thought that was pretty apropos. And the intro on the album related to uh, basically it's Barbie's voice, which seems very 2023, even though we're talking about 1980. Mm-hmm. Well, another really cool thing about 1980 and 1981 is that it's pretty obvious to the musical uh, industry, the insiders, that new wave and post-punk are kind of like going to be the next big thing. But nobody really knew what that was. So there were major labels taking chances on just these really weird bands like this, which uh, this artist, which didn't ultimately really go anywhere. Um, but this season we see the debut unfortunately they're only eps um not lps of oingo boingo and wall of voodoo both of which uh end up being much more successful than this mm-hmm. artist but right. but i think in in 1980 they're just you know it's a things are opening up and it's like a whole new frontier which is fantastic. By the time you get to 84 or 85, everyone's kind of figured out the formula and it starts all sounding the same. It, so. it, it, it's kind of like 1976 all over again. Mm. Uh, you know how yeah, everything yeah. is just becoming yeah. new now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's shift over to you, Tony, and talk about your pick. Here's a, a band that I wasn't familiar with. I think uh, uh, this might be something that, uh, Rob and Joseph have more familiarity with, but for me, I really hadn't heard of this band or their actual music. I've I heard that uh, one of their uh, singers was in this band, but I didn't know anything else about them. So this debut album for me just knocked me off my feet. Thought it sounded wonderful. Like you, Tony, I was, I don't know that I've ever actually heard any music by this band. However, very familiar with the lead singer and had a couple of his albums and knew that he was previously in this band, certainly knew of the band. Um, And I think any of our listeners who are familiar with the solo stuff he's got a very distinct sure. vocal style so so i think this is going to probably be a little bit easier i was a moderate fan of this artist's solo work i had a couple of his albums in the late 80s early 90s i think i'm re- i'm really gonna like the stuff from this first band that he was in but i gotta bemoan one thing rob i think yeah. this is the first time we are hearing chronologically that we are hearing the awful horn parts 
played by synthesizers. What an awful sound. What is that? <laughs> I, I wrote a note down that said, I love the horns on this song. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's just, it's going to be part of that whole, like not using real horns and using synthesizers. Um, is going to, uh, in a couple of years, just add to that awful, overproduced, new wave. Bleh. I, uh, I'm with you on that. I think this is where I'm trying to take myself back to 1980 before all mm -hmm. that overproduced, yeah. uh, overused, and just really cheesy sound came out and kind of go back to the basics of how it was used on this album. So for me, uh, I have to say that uh, I really enjoyed... Uh, the horns kind of added with the punk aesthetic uh, yeah. to get for me, it would, it really worked. But, um, but think how much better it would have sounded if they'd <laughs> actually had real horns. <laughs> well, again, this is, this is a period of time where they're experimenting. It's a yeah. whole new frontier. Yeah. So they're trying to figure out what they could do. Um, I haven't heard anything by this band either. So it was really kind of cool to, to listen to it and to, to realize that, that I did know who, you know, who this was. Um, and you, and you're familiar together. with the lead singer and the yeah, solo yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. I went down the rabbit hole on this album since I hadn't really heard it before was the band members and what they have done since mm -hmm. or where they are now mm -hmm. and different bands that basically blew up as a result of this band outside of the lead singer who is obviously more well-known. So I had no idea about any of that until I went down this rabbit hole. Cool. Okay. Let's move on to my second pick, um, which is as obscure as obscure could be. It's pretty funny. Um, when you go to Wikipedia for this band, if there was ever a candidate for, the Wikipedia page being written by one of the members of the band. <laughs> this would get my vote. <laughs> but um, I, these guys actually showed up on a couple of soundtracks for like low rate horror movies in the early eighties. And that's how I first connected with this band was um i saw one of those well i can't imagine this is going to give it away um the 1980 horror flick uh the boogeyman rob you're a big horror fan did I you am. ever see the boogeyman oh if it's a really bad horror film from the 80s i'm sure i've seen it mm, well <laughs> then you have you have heard this band yeah probably in fact, this song was one of two songs that were featured on that. She says a cold cream and I'm making bombs in my room. She's like a prom queen and I'm the prophet of doom. I'm smuggling firearms. Drop the nerve gas, that's not the fume on that shelf. I'm using force in effect, things will lead to change. She needs a new dress, she thinks she'll go shopping today. Oh, 
I have <laughs> I have heard I have heard this this song and I honestly I I wouldn't be surprised if they used it in more than one horror movie. Mm. Um, I mean, probably not, but it it's it's got that it's got that like 80s horror movie soundtrack vibe, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and but I'll still say that that I in a million years never would have thought of this. Mm. Uh, never mm. would have thought of this. Well, I must admit that uh, this I don't I don't like this band that much. There are mm-hmm. a few songs that I um, that I really kind of like that I think are fun sort of novelty things, but they're just they're such an obscure little thing that I I, I only came across them like four or five years ago. So at this point, when I find some sort of new wave band that I've never heard of before, I get, I get excited. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it is the season. I'm going to, I'm going to be watching a lot of really bad 1980s horror movies pretty soon. And I, <laughs> I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to like prick up my ears and start listening for, uh, you know, listening for bands that will probably be featuring in this, in this <laughs> podcast. And, and I did see if there was a sequel to this movie, so I don't know if they were on the the second, uh, the sequel. Or not, not if they but... not if they wanted to grow in their career. <laughs> <laughs> so of course the main part, the 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 grand finale of this episode is our predictions. Uh, but before we get to that, Rob, let's talk about let's talk a little bit about last episode yeah um thanks thanks for doing that you were you were a good sport i I know that it was not easy for you to fit that in oh Um, yeah so we posted a complete list of all of the artists we were planning on including and we asked our listeners to um you know let us know if we missed anything that they thought were was important and the response has kind of like brings to mind two different platitudes, two different uh-huh. sayings. One is ask and ye shall receive. And the other one is careful what you ask for. Yes. <laughs> so, so we got we got over a hundred um suggestions for bands that were not a part of that, which was fantastic. Tony contributed to to that number so thank you tony for that i have been frantically over the last week or so frantically going through all of the bands with 1980 releases and we have added the appropriate ones uh to our rundown so we will we will cover them (laughs) thanks to everybody 1980 is now going to last us three years um (laughs) My next question for you, Rob, is I have to revise the question that I asked you last episode, which is, hey, Rob, what are you doing for the next 18 months? Yes. (laughs) Because we've we've had to add a whole nother episode to cover all of the um, additions to 1980. Uh, I don't know. I'm ready for it. You know, I I want it. Yeah. Well, so... Uh, it's been a busy couple of weeks for me as I've been wading through all this stuff. Uh, just kind of like reiterates to me how much we're like making this crap up as we go along. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the name of the game. We are not going to be able to cover every single 
possible album that remotely qualifies for um, this genre of music. Uh, and it's just going to get tighter. When we get to 1986, I mean, it's going to be crazy. Uh, so I have been thinking a lot about sort of the criteria and it shouldn't be just, Oh, Rob and I think that this is a good band and this is not a good band. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and we like to be as inclusive as possible, but just logistically you have to be practical. Um, and so here's kind of what I came up with. First of all, when we talk about, um, Bands that we are going to cover in this podcast, we are talking specifically about the rundown episodes. So bands that we are going to discuss each album that they release chronologically as we get to it. So even though there's a band that maybe we don't include, we quite will probably talk about them at some point. It just may be in a bonus episode rather than examining each of their albums. Um, <clears throat> so as I've been going through this, I, I'm trying to, trying to get a little bit more organized about the criteria. And Rob, you and I have to be mindful to just, just every once in a while reiterate the fact that we... We do not consider ourselves the arbiters of what is punk or what is new wave. It's yeah. We're only talking about our podcast. Yeah. Um, so necessity uh, requires that a lot of the the uh, sub sub genres that are kind of new wave or post punk tangent, uh, we are not going to be able to include all of the bands in our regular rundown. Um, but I'm going to list what I've come up with. It's sort of like subgenres, and we will definitely at some point do a bonus episode for each one of them, at which point we will talk about all of the bands suggested. Uh, so rockabilly, nice, uh, industrial, in all of these genres, we'll probably include a couple of the big ones. So industrial, you know, we're going to talk about the chromes and we're going to talk about the um, throbbing gristles. Oh, yeah. Um, once you get further into the 80s, you get into college rock. So, you know, the REMs, stuff like that. We're we're just not going to be able to cover all of that. Um, solo artists, so lead singers or members of punk or new wave bands that go solo, uh, we we will kind of like pick and choose. So the big ones like Peter Gabriel and Peter Murphy, um, we will definitely cover. But we will probably do a couple of bonus episodes where we look at other solo artists from earlier bands. Power Pop, Mod Revival, and then I'm not quite sure how to describe this. So I'm going to call it 
art slash noise slash acid jazz slash no wave. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we will talk about half Japanese uh, because they're sort of one of the big ones, but a lot of that stuff like Negative Land and bands like that, we'll definitely touch on those when we do a bonus episode about that subgenre, but it's not going to be part of our regular um, uh, rundown. Uh, some of the sort of like big band, uh, biggest bands that have been suggested that we are not going to include in our regular rundown, but we'll probably do like a deep dive on um, REM, Stray Cats, The Residents, Game Theory, all suggested to us, all excellent suggestions. I love Game Theory, yeah. but it's, you know, by, by that time, things are shifting and it's going more into what I consider college rock. So if you are not a Facebook person and you want to get in on this, I mean, the door is rapidly closing for 1980, but um, if you want this complete list, just email us and we will respond with the complete list. Robbie, you want to give that email address? Yeah. Hit us up at deepdives.deepcuts at gmail.com. Cool. Uh, Okay. I've been talking a lot, Rob. Do you have anything you want to add? Only, that only subject? that, yeah. Oh no, not on that subject. I only have ten reasons why we should keep the ball rolling. <laughs> <laughs> you are talking about predictions. I am indeed. Yes. Okay. So once again, stakes are extremely high because the winner—it's going to be a three-way race this season. The winner is going to be able to choose all of the songs that we feature in the final top 10 at the end of the season, 18 yeah. months from now. Yeah. So, uh, Tony, are you in it to win it? Oh, you know me, Rob, anything that's a competition, I'm always, uh, <laughs> ready to go. Even right. though I, I, I did want to start by making a comment as a listener and a fan and, you know, wa- being on walks or listening into my car while you guys are making your predictions in the past, I, I would say in my head, oh, I can't believe they forgot this album or that they didn't mention this one. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And and now when you're actually, you know, uh, called to predict your list and uh, present it to the group, uh, I've been changing it around so many times. Yeah. I'm second guessing myself constantly. So it does feel much better or, or much different and worse yeah. when you're on this side of the microphone. Oh, yeah. Well. 1980 is much different than the last couple of years that we've done this. My The only prediction that I feel confident about is that I am going to seriously choke this year. It's just a question of whether the two of you choke worse than I do. This this is a really, <laughs> really hard one. Um, I In the past, I've been pretty confident about my prediction. Sometimes I've been right. Sometimes I've been wrong. But with this... This year, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it has to do, I, th- I think we touched on this last episode, there are so many debuts from bands that maybe isn't the most auspicious um, album, but they are going to become big later on. 
And I just, yeah. I don't have a good sense. Saying that, I realized that when I was making my t- my list of predictions, that I didn't want to put my own, you know, my own myself into it. I didn't want to make. I didn't want to go. Okay, this is what I would pick. Um, and so it was. It was pretty tough mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, it, it's hard not to be, not you know, not to flavor it like that. Um, and and like you, I'm still kind of. I, it, it's all up in the air. Yeah. So we're going to look for opportunities to feature songs as we go through. Um, but let's just, uh, let's just dive right in um, with our number 10 pick. I guess I'll go ahead and go first. Um, I think the number 10 uh, album of 1980 is going to be Sandinista by The Clash because it's The Clash. But this is this is a rough this is a rough one. I know, Rob, this is your least favorite. In fact, you you prefer cut the crap to this, which I think is insane. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is indeed my least favorite. Uh, But, you know, and in fact, listening to all these albums, I listen to Sandinista and I still shake my head. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So again, with the probably the the unpopular decision, I have picked my number 10 as the cars panorama all i need is what you've got all i'll tell is what you're not Well, not a chance. There's, yeah, no. And yeah, probably not. Uh, and again, this is a prediction and it's a wild prediction. So, yeah. Um, but what about you, Tony? Hey, uh, so number 10, there's a lot of honorable mentions. Number 10, I wanted to start with a hopefully a bold choice. Maybe you'll tell me it's not, but uh Probably the shortest album on the entire list, but I actually really love it. The Circle Jerks and Group Sex. It's like 17 minutes and 15 songs, but they just come at you fast and furious. Nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, my number nine is Kings of the Wild Frontier by Adam and the Ants. Nice. Yeah, a- I I think it should be a lot higher, but I don't think it will be. I think it's in that weird place where uh, it's a little too weird for the pop fans and the more serious post-punk um fans it's 
too poppy. It was too much of a phenomenon, at least at least in Europe. So uh-huh. I, I I don't think it I don't think it's going to get the love that it deserves. It's almost certainly going to be higher on my personal top ten. Okay, well, my number nine is Elvis Costello's "Get Happy." Mm. And um, wow, you know, I mean, there's a lot going on in 1980. And uh, I I have to predict that Elvis Costello is going to make it in the top 10, you know? Mm. Um, So when I'm looking at number nine, I'm not thinking number nine is a bad thing. That's still in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I suspect with the possible exception of Imperial Bedroom that Elvis Costello never makes the final top 10 again um, through 1986. Could be wrong. Hope I'm wrong, yeah. but that's my guess. Well, we've been wrong before, right? Yeah, but Armed Forces didn't make um, didn't that's make true. the top ten last year. Very I true. would have to agree. I'm a massive Elvis Costello fan, and so um, Rob putting it in his top ten. I did not put it in my top ten either. One, mm-hmm. um, actually, we'll see. Um, on my personal, it's, 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 we'll see where it ends up, but definitely on the, uh, predictions list, I did not, and it hurt me not to put it there, but, uh, I, I agree more with Joseph and his prediction on it. Okay, Tony, what is your number nine? All right. So mine is Clash and Sandinista. Mm -hmm. I'll just tell you right now, it's, it's not, I'm not even predicting it to be on the top 10. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my number eight here is, this is a big question mark because I know over the last five or seven years there's been such a backlash. But um, I suspect that U2's debut album, Boy, is going to make the final top ten. I I think a lot Hmm. of people forget um, what a sort of like startling album that was at the time. that's true. There are some great songs on that album, and and it, and and a whole sound that that people just were not, we were not hearing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel sad about this, but I'm gonna say that uh, number eight is gonna be Blondie Auto America. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tony? What's your number eight? Yeah. So. Um, uh... I would love to have had Blondie on my list, but I just, the hits are great. The other one's not so much. So I, my number eight is the uh, Cure in 17 Seconds. Fantastic. Yeah, this was a big question mark for me. I am not familiar with this album at all. Um, 
I know that they radically changed the direction from, yeah. uh, but I think, I mean, I've heard it in the past and remember not caring for it. I think it, my recollection is that it takes a cure a couple of albums to really mm-hmm. dial into their new sound, but I could be very, very wrong. No, I think you're right. I actually really like this album and you could tell like the sound of where they're going to end up. It, it, the seed is planted in here. So you can, you can tell, mm-hmm. but it, it, it isn't the cure that we end up knowing. And, and mm-hmm. so as much as I loved it, I didn't even, I didn't even put it on my prediction. list. Mm-hmm. My number seven is the debut album by the English beat called, I just can't stop it. This is a band where I'm really just familiar with their compilations. So I have no idea if the first album has a lot of the great songs or if it's later on, but they, the English beat, they were, they, they had a whole new thing going. Um, mm-hmm. Great sound, fantastic sound. So, so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking they make the top 10. I'm saying, I'm saying number seven. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and put a band that, uh, and an album that I really like uh, at number seven. This is, again, not my prediction for myself. This is not my list. This is how I feel our listeners and fans are going to predict. And I'm at number seven, I've got Joy Division's Closer. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, Interesting. Yeah, and, and, and I think part of that part of that has to do with with history i mean just looking back at at the album itself what was going on what's going to happen afterwards i i just feel like this album has a lot more love than you know than expected mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i'm really curious what about you tony another one that it's funny how i go back and forth i'm like well this one i think uh is a pretty loved album uh not as loved as some other albums of theirs, but I'm going to go Roxy Music and Flesh and Blood. It's actually one of my favorites, but it definitely, I can see it going either direction with your voters. Yeah. Uh, it is my favorite Roxy Music album. Uh, I don't think there is a chance in hell it's going to make the top 10. <laughs> <laughs> but we shall see. Okay, number six to me. 
Sound Effects by The Jam. This is their Stone Cold masterpiece. I know in the U.S. The Jam never really took off, but um, uh, this album in certain circles is, is spoken of in hushed tones. Um, it's probably going to be higher on my personal list. Uh, this is a near flawless album. Nice. Well, um, <laughs> I got to say for number six for me is, is probably going to be surprising to you guys, but I, I actually picked flesh and blood by Roxy music. Really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Rob and I are going down together. I listened to now. I've listened to these albums before. Um, in fact, when we talked about Roxy Music before, I listened to a whole bunch of their albums, so a whole bunch of their music. But um, this one, for some reason, grew on me, and I'm like, you know what? I bet this has a lot of love out there. So I I pulled off one of my very favorite albums. Well, not, not one of my very favorite albums, but one of my favorite bands or performers in in uh in exchange for this album because i thought that it would it would rank really well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay uh number six to you tony well rob mentioned it earlier it was his number 10 so i've got the cars and panorama ah. as my number six but honestly this is the one that i've been uh moving around the most on my list because uh, part of me thinks well this is probably their it's a little more experimental than their other more commercial sounding albums. It's got a little more aggression to it. So I think the listeners might appreciate that, that it's not as popular as maybe some of the more, you know, the first album and Heartbeat City. And so for me, I'm I'm thinking it's going to get some some backwards love as a result and make it on the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I I. Uh, taking the their approach and their the sort of new direction of the sound off the table, I just don't feel like the songwriting is there compared to uh, most of their other albums. It just it feels pretty slapped together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we'll see, we'll see. This band is often one that I I move around on my mm. my predictions. In fact, I move them around up until the day we we actually. Choose our own top 10 list. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Well, Candio made number 10 last year. So Panorama doing better than that is, I mean, I guess anything's possible. Okay. uh, We are at the halfway mark now. So my number five is, um, it's an album that really feels a lot like sound effects where it's kind of the, the peak of the band, super solid, kind of a classic that is Ecstasy's Black Sea. Uh, nice. Probably going to be higher on mine. This is this is probably the only Ecstasy album that stands a chance of being number one on my personal top ten of the year list. 
Okay. Uh, well, I picked I, I picked for my prediction number five, B-52's Wild Planet. Um, mm. And I, I really think that as 1980, as, as this new, newish new wave sound is picking up and ramping up, that the B-52s are, are definitely in the top 10. And it was really hard for me to figure out where, but we'll see. Number five for me is Devo's Freedom of Choice. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, well I, I'm just going to say it here. That's my number four. So we can, we can talk about it together. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, I think this is cohesive wise. It just obviously the big hit is Whip It, which mm-hmm. you didn't list because I don't think it actually made the chart until the following year. But no, no, it I, did. It, oh, it that's right. Did. Number 16. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, uh, I just think it's a solid, solid album and it just sounds great from beginning to finish for me. Yeah. Devo has not fared well in the past yeah, sad, with our listeners. Sadly so. If there's a Devo album that breaks through, it's going to be this one. This one for sure. Yeah. Okay, Rob, what's your number four? Yeah, well, my number four is Ecstasy's Black Sea. Uh-huh. Um, and this is another, again, this is a band that every time I listen to them, and I have been listening to them for years, thank you to my good friend Joseph who introduced me to um, that the more I hear it, the more I like it. I was thinking about when we talked a lot about XTC and, and what my rankings of their albums were. And it's like, at this point, it doesn't even matter. I'm a whole different person, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'm sure the way I feel about their albums is a little bit different, but, but I, I, I found it pretty fantastic. And I think that this particular album is going to rank fairly well with our listeners. Number four to you, Tony. Yeah, it was Rob's number five. So B-52's Wild Planet uh, is uh, my number four choice. Okay, my number three is B-52's second album. So we can talk about that now. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's the B-52's. Personally, I think that this is a better album than than their debut. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. it's going to do just about the same as their, their debut. In fact... It might even do a little bit better just because the competition isn't quite as stiff, I think, this year as 1979. 1979, right. of course, was astonishing. Right. Um, yeah, it's a B-52s. Do you recall? Uh, so where did our listeners place B-52s last year? Yeah, it was number three. And I, I, I think that um, this one is going to do exactly the same. Wow. Wow, that's that's a pretty tall order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so my number three is uh, another another act that I just keep loving more and more the more I hear, and it's Gary Newman with Telecom. This album has the Gary Newman sound that I really like. Um, I think there are fewer songs on it that I I am. I would say there are fewer songs that I'm into. I really am into quite a bit of them. But um, just as I was listening to it and thinking about how our listeners and and fans have have voted in the past, I think I think this one's going to do really well. And mm. and I and I hope so. I really hope mm-hmm. so. Well, I haven't listened to it since the 80s, but I had this and I hated it. Yeah, really? So, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting going back to see um, if if my tastes have changed. What's your number three, Tony? All right. So I'm going with the Ramones and End of the Century. Uh, I I, album I really like, but... (laughs) Um, I know it's caused some controversy in the uh, fan group, so I don't know. I'm either going all in or going all out. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Ramones have never even come close to our top 10. Of course, we didn't have a top 10 for 1976. Right. So that's that's the reason why. So it seems a little unlikely uh, that they make it this year, but you never know. Stranger things have happened, I suppose. Yes, and often do. Yep. My number two is Joy Division. I think you're way low on this, Rob. Um, yeah, I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Um, you know, Joy Division's one of my one of my most loved bands. So. Yeah. My number two is Talking Heads Remain in the Light. And, okay. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, they're Talking Heads. I think our, I, and this is a thing, I think that our fans and listeners are just going to be be all about the Talking Heads in the first first two slots, at least. Mm-hmm. And, and my number two is David Bowie's Scary Monsters, which again might be a, uh, one where I'm ranking it way too high, but I re-listened to that album twice this week, and I I, I love it more than I remembered yeah. hearing it. So I don't I, know. I gotta say I I love it that much too. In fact, that's one of the that's the album that I pulled off of my list. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm I hope I'm wrong. I you know 
I would be uh, delighted if it ranked pretty high on the top. Do you remember Ricardo's being? It's such an episode. I've heard a rumor from ground control. Oh no, don't say it's true. They got a message from the action man. Okay, there's only one more slot that's number one. Um, I, I, it will not make my number one, but it will probably make my top ten. Uh, Talking Heads Remain in Light has got to be up there. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Uh, I agree with you there. And, you know, I kind of I kind of want you to win that one. I, I want Talking Heads to be to be the number one with this album. Uh, unfortunately, I think that our fans and I don't know, unfortunately, but I do think that our listeners are going to going to rank the police pretty high with uh, Zenyatta Mendata. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I I am feeling a little bit more confident about my predictions after I hear the whiffs that you guys are making. I don't know. I don't know. We we'll see what happens. I think this yeah. is going to be a strong one. And I'm I'm a strong Police fan, and that album. We'll see if it makes my top ten, but yeah, I, it did not make my ten on the predictions. It list. is. It is my second favorite um, police album, but but that's because it is so weird and odd. Um, it, it is. It's, and it's I, all elbows, you know. Uh-huh. I listened to it. I mean, I listened to it maybe five times uh, recently, and um, and it's it, it just to me it just kept getting better and better, and I mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe I was in that mood, but. You know, we'll see what happens. Like I said, I hope Talking Heads beats it, but I think that our our listeners are going to rank police at least pretty high. All right, Tony, that's all down to you. All right, so uh, we'll have to see on the other choices because my number one is the Talking Heads Remain in Light. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. nice. That, that seems like the, safe, the, the sort of safe choice. Sometimes the world has a Seems like the world knows nothing at all The world is near, but it's out of reach Some people touch it, but they can't hold on She is loving to describe the world She has messages for everyone She is loving to 
some other like dark horses uh, that I have that nobody's mentioned. I think there's maybe a possibility. Um, Echo and the Bunnymen's uh-huh. uh, debut album. That's a big question mark for me. Yeah. Um, actually, a number of debuts. So Killing Joke, uh-huh. um, Killing The Joke's Birthday great. Party, Dead Kennedys. Um, OMD has two releases this this year and i couldn't they're, stomach either one of them <laughs> they're they're all just big question marks all, yeah, all of these yeah, yeah. bands are are well with the not the dead kennedys i i think that generally their first album the album released in ni- 1980 is is ca- revered as one of their best but but all the rest of them i, I think these these debuts are maybe oh psychedelic furs another one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um not like their creative peaks mm-hmm, Susie mm-hmm. and the banshees always got to be consideration but I, i'm just not familiar with this album um uh japan seems like a real dark horse but mm-hmm. generally um Gentlemen Take Polaroids is considered one of their best. Kate Bush. Ooh. Their her <laughs> third album, she she's going way more new wave on this. I I I don't think she is going to quite make it. Obviously the couple of releases after that are going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madness kind of a question mark. Um and then X's debut album Los Angeles. Uh I don't know. Well, there there are some. I gotta say, there are some bands that really surprised me as far as coming out in 1980. Mm. Um, you know how I'm a I'm a huge fan of Susie and the Banshees. I'm a huge fan of the Cure, of Bauhaus, of Joy Division, of of Berlin, even. And you know, boy, Susie and the Banshees, Berlin. Well, they just didn't even make my my prediction because. To me, I feel like they're just getting their their start, and they're just you know, they're just kind of working it out. So I, I didn't really see them as being, uh, even in the running for the for the top ten. But I got to tell you, so I was, I was a big Berlin fan before I was really even into new wave i uh-huh. i got a pleasure victim i always yep. thought it was their first album it wasn't until i started compiling our database that i realized that they had had a release before that so yeah. it is so obscure i i'm really looking forward to hearing that i i very very curious yeah yeah i i listened to berlin's uh, debut album probably two or three times and and uh because i had never heard it to be honest um and then you know and i'm like i said i'm a big fan but going mm-hmm. back and and doing a little bit of research on berlin's first album i realized why which mm-hmm. well, i'm sure we'll talk about mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. okay well i've i've gone i've exhausted my list of things to chat about um Hooray for 1980! It's, it's finally finally upon us. The uh, right. January 1980 episode will be released 
the first Sunday of next month. I think that's actually the first of the month. Stick around after the fade. We will, um, Rob and I will reveal the albums that uh, we will be discussing um, for the next episode. I've gotten through almost all of the albums once. Um, what about you, Rob? Uh, almost, uh, almost yeah. all of them. I haven't quite gotten through all of them yet. A weird bunch. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is a mixed batch. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, um, some lively conversations. Yeah. Cool. Anything else either of you want to touch, touch base on? Welcome aboard, Tony. I'm That's, really looking forward to our, yeah. our quiz episode that's going to be a lot of fun good yeah. rob and i are going to sit back let you do all the work and just have a hoot of a good time really looking forward to it and as you know putting together the trivia questions and and uh being able to quiz both of you just on your knowledge of of these artists and the goal is to cover what you guys had talked about the previous couple of months and try to put it all together with some cool trivia questions so i'm looking forward to it should be fun all right, Rob, any any last things touch no. base on? No, 1980, here we come. Yeah, 1980, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> That's right, we're in it now. Okay, so we are going to go out on a little teaser of what's to come in January of um, 1980. Oh, one thing just popped to mind, this is the first season where so in past seasons there's been at least one episode where we have compressed a couple of months just because there hasn't been uh, enough output uh, mm -hmm. so this is the first season where every single month is going to get its own standalone episode um at least one yeah. and <laughs> probably <Sometimes> two <laughs> and sometimes four i think october is insane i think mm. we are we are going to we are going to have to put out four episodes to cover October of 1980. Uh, Mind-boggling, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we are going out on a more obscure album released in January of 1980. Can you identify it? Okay, Rob, Tony, excellent speaking with you. Um, we are back in the saddle again. Yeah. Thank you. All right, you guys. We'll see ya. Picked up an image on my TV screen. Had the smoothest skin that I'd ever seen. Turn up the sound so I can catch his rave about how his life was changed by his Here are the albums that we will be covering next episode. The Biggest Prize in Sports from 999. The Wipers debut album entitled Is This Real? The Buggles debut album with an album called The Age of Plastic. The Jim Carroll Band with their debut release entitled 
Catholic Boy, John Fox's first solo album entitled Metamatic, the Romantics debut album entitled The Romantics, Sparks has another release titled Terminal Jive, The Suburbs with an album called In Combo, The Durati Column entitled The Return of the Durati Column, The Distractions with an album entitled Nobody's Perfect, Human Sexual Response with Figure 14, and the final album is entitled X Aspirations by the Australian band X. Not to be confused by the L.A. band, also titled X, also releasing an album in 1980. Beep, beep, beep. Well, I watch the movie. 